0: Before we get to this week's season premiere recap for Better Call Saul, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast, our friends over at True Car, who have some useful tips that you might not be aware of. These might be right out of the Mike Ermatrout playbook because you can take a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil, okay, and clean the interior of your car. You could also take the excess weight out of your car uh, to improve its gas mileage. You never know that excess weight might be a tracking device and you can also place your keychain remote underneath your chin to increase its range. I could see Mike doing that. Well, those tips are weird. Here's one that's not so weird. You can get a used car as well with the help of TrueCar. That's right. TrueCar is not just for buying a new car. With the Certified Dealer Network and Nationwide Inventory Nearly 1 Million Used Cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, you can see what other people paid, so you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. And you're also more likely to enjoy a Faster buying experience when you connect with a True Car certified dealer. So, when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Better Call Saul Season 4 premiere is over, but we are just getting started here on the Better Call Saul Post Show Recap. And now here are the two guys who just renewed their season tickets for the Albuquerque Isotope.
1: I'm Rob Sestrino, back with Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? Doing great, Rob. Nothing I like more than a fine game of minor league baseball. I've got my ID set up here. It doesn't matter whose name is on it. We're having a good time.
0: Yes, Antonio, we are back here to cover the fourth season of Better Call Saul on AMC. And Antonio, it was five years ago this summer that you and I first started talking about the underworld of Albuquerque, New Mexico.
1: Oh, yeah. And then like six months after that, we started podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) So really weird conversation that we were having last uh, five summers ago. No, yeah, Rob, time flies when you're having fun, bud. Like this is, uh, it's so crazy to think about the way these worlds were created. And then, uh, I mean, just think about it, Rob. Five years ago, Mike Trout was like 30 years younger. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And his granddaughter was, uh, I don't know, five years younger somehow. I don't know what's going on there.
0: It's all happening. And here we are back to talk about, I guess, 10 episodes of Better Call Saul. On AMC, Uh, we uh, last left off the world of uh, Better Call Saul, what was it, last spring?
1: Sounds right to me. I, yeah. I haven't kept track. Uh, it was uh, we need we need to follow the we need to follow the path that Chuck McGill sent out for us, Rob. We need to use a lantern uh, and look back on when that was. I think it was last spring. That sounds about right. Yeah.
0: And then this was a little bit of a longer yacht than normal for <laughs> everybody in the uh, Better Call Saul universe. And we had to wait a long time to see the fallout from what was going on uh, with uh, Chuck. But we get that Here tonight and we'll talk about everything uh, going on Antonio in uh, the off season. And it's been so long since uh, you and I have podcast. I feel like that we have a a million things that we have to uh, catch up on, but uh, I understand that you did a full better call Saul rewatch
1: yeah like last week I was pretty bored um, so there that happened yeah I rewatched Better Call Saul again I've lost track of how many times that is now uh, I will say about Better Call Saul the good stays great as you rewatch it but some of the things that like the sequence in tonight's show for example with Mike uh, they're they're great when you watch them the first time they're fun when you watch them the second time boy that fourth and fifth time they, they get a little uh, we know what's happening let's just get to the next thing here so this is a show show that does a lot of really great montages and I'm saying when you rewatch it three or four times, four or five times, those montages you can probably skip them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the show will do a lot of things where okay, where's Mike going with this? And he's going to be doing stuff, he's taking something apart, he's driving around a warehouse, he's looking for something, he's trying to find a tracker and then Eventually it's like a reveal Oh that's what he was doing But you're saying that those things uh, Do not necessarily hold up as well The second time around
1: no, or the third or the fourth or the fifth, right? Yeah, some of them do. I mean, think about it. There's a great there's a great sequence uh, last season where Mike is stalking uh, one of Gus's bagmen throughout the night, and he's following him around all these dead drop locations and you get these beautiful shots of Albuquerque at night. And this all ends up with the big reveal that Mike is sitting outside Los Poyos Hermanos. And when you see the sign, when it pulls back, it's great. It's a big build. The third or fourth time you've seen that, you're like, all right, all right. I know what's happening here. Like, even though these shots are pretty, like, I just want to see Gus. Like, I want to I want to get to that part of this season. So some of that stuff just it's like, yeah, Mike, I know. I know. I think it takes him like three episodes, Rob, to make that soaker hose, for example, (laughs) uh, that we see in tonight's tonight's episode. So uh, we don't need three episodes (laughs) of Mike making a soaker hose. Not on a rewatch. We know what's happening.
0: All right. Well, before we get into the recap of tonight, I uh, wanna remind you that we will have updates after every episode here in season four. You could subscribe to the Better Call Saul post-show recap when you go to postshowrecaps.com slash BCS iTunes. That's postshowrecaps.com slash BCS iTunes. And we appreciate your feedback and star ratings, especially here at the start of the season. And at the start of each Better Call Saul season, Antonia, we have flashed forward to Gene at the Cinnabon. And we saw Gene in uh, distress uh, at the in the flashback from season three. In case people didn't remember, well, what what happened to Gene in season three that caused the, the paramedics to be called?
1: He's minding his own business. He's just eating his lunch on a bench in the mall, and this kid runs up with a with a trench coat on, and a, a DVD or a CD or something falls out of his uh, his coat. The kid is clearly a shoplifter running from the police. He goes to hide in a photo booth uh, across from Gene, sitting there eating his lunch. And the the security guys come up and they, "Did you see a kid? You know, did you see anybody with a coat?" And Gene sits there for a moment. He doesn't want to talk to the police at all, but he doesn't want these police talking to him so he wants to just kind of get him out of his sphere so he gestures at the photo booth and the police find the shoplifter and gene is torn up because gene is at heart of course Jimmy McGill, but also at heart, Saul Goodman. So he's a good guy and he's also a criminal lawyer. And when he sees this kid being hauled away, he leaps to his feet. He can't help it. Says, Get a lawyer. Don't say anything. And that incident seemingly causes him to be pushed over the edge and have whatever incident this is medically uh, that puts him in the position he's in. Whatever false alarm this was at the hospital, it's as a result of this intense moment that Jimmy had with the security and ratting out a shot lifter and leaping to his feet and saying, get a lawyer. Don't say anything. Feeling like he ratted this kid out. So that's where it comes from.
0: Okay. I don't know how many more seasons better call. Saul is going to go that uh, I'm assuming that next season is going to be the last season. Is is that crazy talk? You think there'll be uh, uh, more than five Antonio?
1: I don't think it's crazy talk. It hasn't been officially announced. They did renew Better Call Saul for season five, but they did not confirm at that point like they did. In fact, I think with Breaking Bad, that it would be the final season when they announced that renewal. So it wouldn't surprise me to see. I think it really all depends, Rob, on where they want to go with this Gene stuff. Do they want to tell an extended story in the Gene world, or do they want to do these lingering, uh, tense moments where we're finding more and more about Gene's life and wandering... If he's going to be caught, and we're going to—I mean, it's a lot like there's a lot of Sopranos finale in these gene uh, scenes, yes. especially in this one, right? Yeah, like you're in his head. Like this is what his life is like every th- every time he sees somebody, and it's what the first one is like as well. Every time he sees somebody, he looks at him like, is this person clocking me? Is this person sent to kill me? Is this person does this person know that I'm Saul Goodman? So we're in his headspace, and that's great, and that's all well and good. But I don't know how much time they want to spend in that. the uh, The other opportunity they have, obviously, is to do. The coda, like to finish Breaking Bad's story and to finish the Jimmy McGill story, perhaps even in a happy way, in the Gene timeline. We've talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. That. It's possible that Kim Wexler is still in that story somehow uh, that maybe he could find a way to get back together with her assuming they, they, they grow apart since she's not in Breaking Bad and maybe there's a way to bring that happiness back together. So if they want to tell a full Gene story, I could see a, a sixth season that occupies a lot of that space, but otherwise I, I don't know. I mean, if they're going to keep doing these, I don't see what mo- much more there is. I mean, I what are, you, what are your feelings from tonight, Rob? Did you feel like the person in the cab Was somebody who definitely identified him as Saul Goodman or was there to was there to do surveillance on him?
0: I definitely got from what we saw that the driver of the taxi cab was a uh, menacing figure in some way that that the driver had the Albuquerque isotopes air freshener. Then we got to see Mike later on uh, watching the Albuquerque isotopes. I, I can't imagine that that was a uh, coincidence. I mean, they are nowhere near Albuquerque in uh, the gene timeline, or I mean, it would be very odd to have the AAA affiliate of the Colorado Rockies, as I Googled, uh, <laughs> to have an air freshener of that. Uh, that so it seems like that was that definitely somebody from the Albuquerque area. And then the guy was just giving him this uh, stare down, wasn't talking, looked very, you know, there didn't seem to be an a alternate explanation. And then the, uh, you know, uh, taxi cab did not, you know, drive off, did not try to, uh, you know, prevent Jimmy from saying, like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Uh, so I, I thought that the taxi driver definitely was some ominous figure.
1: Yeah. And we never really saw the driver. So it's possible that they could cast a pretty well-known person to play that role. I don't want to get into cast spoilers. If you look at some of the information regarding uh, that person, it's not necessarily a big name. Like it's probably somebody you might've seen in something before, but, uh, I don't know that it's somebody that they, they could or couldn't use. I don't think that it's affirmative one way or the other on that. Uh, whether that driver is somebody that they would definitely, you know, it's not like they're it's not like the driver is a a huge, huge, huge name that you're like, well, clearly if that's the person who they cast as a driver, they're going to be in the show again. Uh, it's a kind of name where you're just not sure. Uh, so, I think it could go either way it seems to me like it, it 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 should go that way you're right the Albuquerque thing is is too much of a coincidence even if it's just that he maybe recognized him as Saul Goodman, not that he was there for some nefarious purpose because that Al- Albuquerque air freshener, it's kind of too obvious. If that's your game, like uh, if that's your goal, if you're, if you're really there to surveil him, if you're there from the cartel, or if you're there for, from some other negative purpose, like don't out yourself, like take the air freshener down. I know the cab probably smells bad, but you can get one of those Febreze things. Not everybody's on
0: Mike uh, Trout. Okay, not everybody (laughs) thinks these things through, Antonio.
1: It's a good point. Uh, it's a good point. And maybe this, uh, if this guy's a criminal, he's not a smart criminal. So who knows? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably more likely than not that we're going to see more to that story, but it, you take it on its face and you just take it as it's presented. It's still a very, like I said, Sopranos-esque, like everybody at any point could be somebody that's presenting a problem for you. Uh, even Rob, if they're just running your ID, uh, at the hotel right. or at the hospital billing, right?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah and that did feel like that that was going to uh, be an issue somehow this receptionist is typing in the letter o in social security numbers which uh, it seems bizarre she should be fired on the spot
1: yeah right talk about i mean what like that's that you hear about problems with medical bills things like that now we know why this happens yeah. this lady is typing letters and numbers the system is broken The system is broken, Rob. Blow it up. Drain the swamp. Um,
0: You brought up something that uh, made me think that, uh, well, maybe it's not necessarily the worst case scenario for uh, Gene slash Saul slash Jimmy. Because maybe, you know, he's a well-known figure uh, in the Albuquerque area from, you know, all of the commercials that were run on TV. And I don't know if he has notoriety from I don't know how newsworthy the events of Breaking Bad turned out to be in the Albuquerque area. I guess it is possible that he could just be a taxi driver that hails from Albuquerque, uh, not like you would hail the taxi driver. And that it was just that he thinks he recognized his face, but isn't necessarily some sort of a hitman.
1: Right. Uh obviously the way it's presented in the tension level makes you feel like it's the latter, but it could easily just be the former. And either way, I think it's a concern for Gene. Right. Because the the, the 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 dual concerns for Gene, right, is that the drug cartels may be after him because he was heavily involved with Heisenberg and Walter White and he's maybe one of the only gettable surviving people who was that involved uh considering Walter White uh and everything that went on in Breaking Bad. Uh but I I don't know ultimately if uh, if the police are a greater concern right because he was definitely directly tied as the lawyer who was working with a lot of these people so they're going to want to have a word with him regardless I think he's more afraid of the drug cartel clearly Mm because they're they're the ones who could end his life but I think that he's probably also concerned about what the police might want to say and as far as it goes I think this is presented as more of the latter but if you if he's just a guy who recognizes Jimmy McGill that could certainly present problems on the former
0: yeah and i feel like that the police are equally as bad we have seen in the breaking bad universe uh, what can happen to people while in police custody oh yes we have yes uh either way is probably a bad ending for jimmy mcgill
1: Yeah. And it makes you wonder, like, if you really wanted to avoid this, why are you where you are? Like, why are you in Omaha or why are you in Nebraska? Why are you where you are? Like, why aren't you in Alaska? Why aren't you in Minneapolis? Or why aren't you in a foreign country? Like, why are you or like, why are you hiding, quote unquote, in plain sight? Not ultimately altogether that far from where you were like why are you somewhere where you might come into contact with someone who is from new mexico you maybe want to get a little further away than the plains estates rob
0: right antonio you sound like you've thought this through
1: uh, I am a lawyer, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, I understand how these things work in in, to some degree. I just uh, I mean, I I don't understand ultimately. And the reason I brought that up is because we talked about maybe the reason why he is where he is has something to do with Kim. There were some things in previous seasons, Kansas City Royals, things that that connected to Kim uh, that were visible in some of the gene scenes. I didn't, Rob, see anything like that in this gene scene. Did you?
0: No, uh, I did not. I don't think there was uh, anything that we've seen that linked to uh, to Kim. Now, that being said, we are recording this on uh, Monday night. Uh, who knows you know, what the detectives on Reddit will figure out uh, in the next 24, 48 hours, but as of now, no, I don't see anything that points to Kim
1: no and i mean there there were some good visual things that were happening in the gene sequence i thought he looked like a lot like chuck when he was on that gurney uh we've seen chuck on a gurney on more than one occasion uh, or at least on one occasion the 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 one i'm thinking of was shot upside down Uh, this one was presented in uh, the normal format but i thought he looked a lot like chuck in that and then all those machines that were testing him i could only think of chuck getting those tests so uh, i thought there were some similar similarities there but other than that uh, other than the guy not going when it was a green light i didn't think there was any kind of major thing that happened in this that made me think okay we should be paying attention to what's happening here i mean it was a good as far as they go the one where gene gets stuck in the dumpster room is probably the worst of the gene sequences uh this was maybe one of the best or probably the best uh it certainly is advancing the ball down the the court now do you think we'll get another gene scene this season rob i don't think so
0: i mean that the first three seasons just had it as sort of like this uh, prologue to the season, right?
1: yeah, we haven't seen another gene revisit other than in the premiere episode in any of the first three seasons. So I, I, we speculated a little bit at the end of last season that we might see one at the end of the season. I don't know. I think you, you the only reason you would ever see one and not just in the premiere is I think if they wanted to really lean ha- more heavily into that timeline and maybe that won't be until the end of a season five if a hypothetical season six is the gene season.
0: Okay. Um, I want to talk about basically we had uh, three storylines in this episode and uh, I want to talk about them separately but in order if that's good for you Uh, we have sort of the uh, Jimmy Kim uh, McGill timeline we have uh, what's going on with Mike and then what's going on with Nacho
1: that sounds good. Yeah. Jimmy Kim. Can we, is there a way to shorten their name? Should we just call them a uh, Jim Jimmy? No, wait, that doesn't work. Uh, Kimmy. No, I'm all right. Sorry. Let's go ahead. Yeah. You, you did. You did right, Rob. I'm sorry. Yeah. Pay no attention to me.
0: Okay. Uh, we see a little bit of the ashes burning from, uh, Chuck's house. And then, uh, we end up and, uh, fading to, uh, Jimmy in bed with Kim. They have this morning routine that uh, he is going through. He wakes up. He's making the coffee. He's feeding the fish. He's looking in the paper. Uh, w- ultimately, Jimmy is going to uh, find out this news about uh, Chuck by way of Hamlin calling. Antonio, the episode I felt like uh, comes full circle where by the end of the episode, he's he's very affected all through the middle of the episode, but once he is able to you know he says that line to hamlin about it. Uh, that's going to be your cross to bear it's almost like he's completely out of it and he goes back to exactly where he was at the beginning of the episode making the coffee
1: feeding the fish D-
0: uh did you see those two things as being
1: connected yeah you're right there's a there's a circle there and I, I when I first watched or when I was watching the, the when I, for, without knowing what scene was coming at the end that first scene when he's just going about his morning routine I just thought okay calm before the storm like everything is normal until he's about to get this news and this is what normal looks like he's happy he's feeding his fish he's eating his cereal he's drinking the coffee smooth jazz is playing like it's a decent morning here uh, and he's just uh, his life is about to go up in flames like Chuck's house did he just doesn't know it yet and I thought well that's the juxtaposition right like this scene is being presented this way because we're about to drop the hammer on this Mm -hmm. so we want to make this as idyllic and happy as possible but then you're right when we get that last scene and he goes right back to it and he's whistling like walter white rob uh when the drew sharp incident has been seen on tv and jesse's all upset and walter just goes about his business and starts whistling while he's cleaning up uh jesse's like this is a true psychopath um this is this is what's happening with uh with jimmy mcgill here he just starts whistling and kim raises the eyebrow and looks at howard like yeah this is uh, pretty upsetting to me too and that's where we're at so I, I think that it's an interesting way to look at that final scene when you compare it to this first one uh he barely speaks in the interim rob mm-hmm. like he barely he says maybe five or ten words in the middle of this episode if he says any and uh and the, he's all he's all he's he has plenty to say and he's all happy and there's a spring in his step at the end uh, i don't want to skip too far to the end but I, it seems like like the weight of the world is off his shoulders. Once Howard is, is willing to climb on that cross and blame himself and Jimmy's ready to drive the nails in. And then he's like, you know what? Let someone else take the blame. I'm happy to walk away from this one. I'm going to whistle while I work here. Okay.
0: Now, Antonio, you did the rewatch. I believe it was in the earlier parts of last season when we see Jimmy go to the insurance office and really screw things up as far as uh, Chuck's insurance goes. Does Kim know that Jimmy was responsible for that or is Jimmy the only person who knows that secret?
1: Jimmy's the only person who knows other than the woman who Jimmy, like, Mm -hmm. Uh, The way it worked is that it was actually, I think in one of the later episodes in the season, because what happened is Jimmy's going to the insurance office because he's lost the ability to practice law because of Chuck. So the trial has happened. Jimmy's been suspended for a year. Uh, I think it's in the same episode. I think it might be episode seven where he's met with the Sklar brothers at the music store Mm -hmm. and they're, they're not sure if they want to buy an ad or not. He's at the bottom really. He's like, there's one moment in that episode where he's sitting on a curb, almost crying. And one of those interns or those college students who's working with him, she gives the money back that he paid her for the session, says, you need this. And so that's where he's at. That's also the episode where he and Kim go to a hotel and he sees this guy that reminds him of Chuck and he just runs through. I'm going to run a fake credit card scam on this guy and we're going to do this. And he's really intense about it. And Kim's like, we're just we're just joking about this. Right. And and Jimmy's like, yeah, of course. And so by the the, the way that episode ends, is he goes into the insurance office and he starts talking talking to this lady and at the time there's been no inkling of, yeah. of him with the insurance or why he would be doing this so I think we're meant to assume that he goes into that insurance office hoping to get his malpractice premiums back because he can't practice law that is quickly shut down by this lady uh, who initially mistakes him for, for Chuck she says "Oh, are you Chuck McGill of Hamlin Hamlin and McGill and when I, I don't know if Jimmy gets the idea at that point or if he will, went in with that idea. But what he does at that point is he sort of breaks down and he fake cries and he says, Oh I'm, I'm having all these problems with my brother. Always. Oh, he's, he's it's in the transcripts. At one point he moans, like you can see that he's, he's falling a party as mental illness. And the lady takes a post-it note and Jimmy walks out of there, just like the King of the world. Like that. I just screwed my brother. Mm-hmm. over. I'm so happy about it. And that is ultimately what leads Chuck and Howard to have the problems that Howard is talking about uh, because they're, they're going to raise the premium is on everyone at the firm. And then, and Howard says, why don't you just retire Chuck? And Chuck doesn't want to Chuck decides he's going to sue Howard and they eventually settle it. And then, yeah, Chuck ultimately falls apart. It's not a very clean through line. It's not as, <laughs> it's, Howard's not as responsible as he thinks. Uh, this is, this is Jimmy's work. This is Jimmy's work for yeah. sure.
0: But does Jimmy, Feel like that? Okay, is this like a scam? That is there a another shoe that he's going to drop on Hamlin by making him feel like that he bears the responsibility for uh, Chuck's death, or is this like some sort of a defense mechanism that uh, he can just like have a clean conscience that? Oh, you know, it wasn't me
1: yeah, I think it's more of the latter personally. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but I feel like it's more of the latter. I feel like this is classic, like, Oh, my conscience is clean. Like Chuck's an asshole. He screwed me over. And if you want to take blame or you want to feel like you're responsible, fine. I don't care. It makes me feel better. Uh, I think throughout the episode, you, you get the, you get the sense that Jimmy probably blames himself for what happened. I think that's a lot of his dire, you're seeing the humanity in him when he says, what about the insurance? What what insurance like he brings it up when Howard mentions it and at that moment I thought this could go either way like mm. Jimmy's really going to lean into blaming himself here because he's now found out that the insurance caused this rift that sent Chuck over the cliff uh, but in reality he realizes you know I've got somebody else here more than willing to share, to, to take on this emotional burden and that's the Saul Goodman angle The Saul Goodman and, and where I think a lot of us have struggled with thinking how is the show going to take Jimmy McGill to 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 Saul Goodman, because the Saul Goodman we know from Breaking Bad is a cold SOB. He's a he's the guy who said, why don't you just go kill your associate? And we've seen him throughout not want people to get harmed not want people to we saw him in the first episode talking to guys out of uh, Tuco uh, and execution so I think that this is a Jimmy McGill now who at the end of this episode is a lot more like Saul Goodman who's a lot more dead inside Uh, and the suicide of his brother even though he knows he's probably to blame the only way he can deal with that is to push it away and blame it on somebody else and he's more than happy to let Howard bear that burden I don't think it's a con or there's something more to it the interest thing that wasn't discussed in this episode rob is that howard had agreed to pay chuck i think nine million dollars mm-hmm. to buy him out of the firm we talked about on our podcast last year uh, was there a will like is jimmy the beneficiary the uh, beneficiary beneficiary uh what's gonna happen here so at the end of the day i don't know and i I don't know if chuck if it being a suicide or howard's guilt is going to let jimmy have some greater role than that uh all tbd but uh that could be there could be an opportunity there for jimmy to exploit the guilt for sure i don't think that's his plan here but Mm -hmm. i think certainly he'll exploit it if it's presented to him
0: The things that just jump out to me about all this is that I had a little bit of a different read on when Jimmy starts asking about the insurance, where I thought that he was trying to make sure that he wasn't busted when he was asking Hamlin about what he knows, because I don't know if it was necessarily... Uh, from a curiosity standpoint or what, but he's like, uh, what? could you go back? What was that part about the insurance again? <laughs> like where it was like sort of clicking, oh, this thing that I did inadvertently was part of the reason why my brother ended up killing himself. And I feel like that the reaction that he had was like the opposite of what a normal person would have, where you would think that he would have been much more affected learning that he, that part of the reason why chuck ultimately did this was because that uh it it somehow had to do with this uh insurance thing that jimmy set into motion and but that when he learns about that and 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 hamlin says that he is going to you know uh you know he he blames himself for it uh and he gives him that your cross to bear it's just uh it just feels like that uh knowing you know uh what what jimmy is capable of that uh i wonder if his wheels are turning about something
1: yeah could be i think that's a i think it's a valid observation and you know the problem is ended
0: on that too
1: yeah the problem is that you don't the, the thing about Jimmy McGill and Chuck is that we, we were reading I think a lot of people are probably reading this Jimmy scene as like well he saw Goodman that's it he's done like he's an asshole he's dead like he's letting Howard and great performance by the way uh, in, with everything that was going on with Howard like that was phenomenal work and he's letting Howard take all that blame and he's, he's whistling while he's cleaning up the, the kitchen throwing the coffee grinds away and ready to restart a new day. Uh, But you have to keep in mind that in the finale of the season before Chuck basically said like the truth, Jimmy is I never really cared about you very much. That's the last thing his brother said to him. Those were the last words that Jimmy heard Chuck say, I believe. Uh, And that's the emotion that he's left with. Chuck is also the guy that wouldn't, that didn't tell Jimmy his mom, his own mom's dying words. And they were Jimmy, they were requests for Jimmy. They were hoping that she could see Jimmy before she died. And Chuck didn't tell him that the Chuck and, and Jimmy rivalry is one where both sides have blood all over their hands and the last thing that Chuck said to Jimmy I think probably hit Jimmy pretty hard um, earlier in the episode before this last scene when Jimmy gets the news and he sees the coroner van pull away mm-hmm. he sits down on that bench and that is I think the same bench that he and Chuck shared when probably in the, their best days together on the show in season one when Jimmy was first breaking the Sandpiper case open um, And Jimmy said, I left some files in my trunk. And Chuck was really energized and he wanted to work on this thing. Chuck absentmindedly just walked out of the house and got the files out of the trunk. And we had an episode that ended that way where Chuck drops the box like I can't believe I did that. Like my 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 problem didn't didn't present itself as I walked out of the door. And then we begin that next episode with Jimmy and Chuck sitting at a bench and Jimmy's like take your shoes off Chuck like feel, put your feet in the grass doesn't that feel great like and they share a moment there and then that moment is somewhat interrupted by the power box uh, and I think it's the same one that Jimmy yeah. sees here in this scene so I, I do think that in the way that scene is blocked like Jimmy and Kim are on the bench it's Kim it's Jimmy and then there's an empty seat right next to Jimmy on the right side of the screen uh, and Chuck is a silent witness to that conversation whether or not uh, he's alive anymore like he's still in Jimmy's head and there's no way that jimmy isn't thinking about all of this stuff throughout the course of the episode but you're right jimmy is still the guy who is a con man through and through so whether it's the the possibility of when he you know because in that same conversation where the insurance stuff comes up the the discussion of the retirement is there and jimmy's wheels might be turning about whether i whether he can get some of chuck's money this is the same guy rob who at the beginning of the episode was circling jobs on a a newspaper because he's got no money he's got and he scuttled the sandpiper settlement at the end of last season so he's not got his money from that so he's got to find some source of income so maybe maybe there's something going on there
0: yeah in the scene that you're talking about with the bench when uh, he's trying to figure out look all of his electronics are outside of the house you know that the the firefighters didn't do that chuck did that something must have made him relapse something must have happened so we see you know jimmy is looking for like what is that thing that uh put him over the edge uh and then ultimately at the end he is going to uh find it i wonder if the, the the mystery of what made him you know relapse is uh what's bothering him the whole episode
1: well, yeah, because as I said, I think that's I think that's valid because their last scene together is that the truth is, Jimmy, like you never really mattered much to me or uh, what you see right after that in that final episode uh, is that you see Chuck in bed at night and he's struggling. He wakes up, he, he, mm-hmm. he's journaling the medicines there. And this is this is where it's really rough for Chuck at that point. And then it's a downward spiral from there. Then from there, it's Chuck. Uh, like the conversation uh, style Chuck where the jazz music is playing and he starts ripping his house apart. There is not a through line like when Chuck when Jimmy comes to Chuck's house before that uh, the lights are on the music's playing. I'm fine, Jimmy. I'm going about my daily life. And then that night seemingly is when Chuck starts to slip away. So the as far as we're concerned as viewers, the last we saw of Chuck being normal was that scene where he basically dug the knife into Jimmy uh, so as far as we're concerned, like the the incident we could point to could be that scene with Jimmy. Howard wants to blame himself. Maybe Jimmy wants to blame himself. And then when Howard is more than willing to climb up on that cross, Jimmy feels free of that burden. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's willing to lie to himself about that. But it is that as far as we go as viewers, the scene with Jimmy and Chuck occurs after anything with Howard and Chuck. The last thing with Howard and Chuck is kind of a, a bittersweet but decent note. It's Howard basically saying like, okay we're going to settle this thing one last thing we have to do before you go and howard has every single person at the law firm come out and applaud chuck as he walks out of the firm Mm -hmm. so that's a good note as far as howard and chuck's ending and it's vastly different than the note that we see the last note for jimmy and chuck so jimmy's definitely got a reason to be carrying this around in his conscience and maybe he's happy that that chuck is or that howard's willing to bear it
0: All right. So we will skip ahead to the next time we see Jimmy and then we'll come back around for all the mic stuff. Uh, Jimmy is, you know, literally watching uh, the water go down the drain. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well there's a lot going down the drain yeah he's a uh, milk water it's uh he, he there's there's i mean this is a show where they do a lot of visual stuff like that obviously but uh, that was a key moment for me too i thought okay yeah he's literally watching things circle the drain here like mm-hmm. that's what he's doing that's that's what he's doing in terms of his conscience that's what he's doing in terms of his goodness like that's really circling the drain at this point point. and honestly it's what he's been doing for the course of a couple of seasons now and i think it's where a lot of our criticism. Uh, of this show has been rob um just i remember at the end of last season we talked about like okay the, how long is this guy going to circle the drain like how long is this guy gonna oh put his toe in the water of being saul goodman we even saw him be saul goodman on the show but then by the end of last season he's uh, oh he's, he's taking the bullet and making the old ladies hate him so that they'll pull out of the lawsuit and mm-hmm. he's doing goodbye kim so he's not really a bad guy by the end of last season uh now i think we're resetting at the end of this premiere that he is cold but i can see a scenario where we're pulling it back again in an episode or two so we'll see how this goes
0: yeah um we get a call from hamlin that he wants to uh go through the obituary for chuck jimmy starts listening he ends up putting the phone on the counter and walks away was jimmy hoping to hear some mention of you know he's survived by his brother jimmy or anything like that
1: i don't know um I, my read at least was in part that it was a very impressive obituary high school at 14 Georgetown, law, all these things. And it, uh, it really struck me as like the more Jimmy heard his brother's accomplishments, the more he felt his nose being pushed into the dirt again. Uh, and the more he felt like, Oh, my law degree from the university of American Samoa mm-hmm. isn't in worth sweatshirt? anything. Yeah. And I couldn't be, <laughs> I couldn't be not my law degree, Rob, but I went to the fine institution, the university of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, No, I just think that he's 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 Chuck is lording. That feels like Chuck lording himself over him after death, even in the afterlife, like just holding his nose in the air and making himself out to this to be this pillar of the legal community that Jimmy couldn't possibly hope uh, to participate in. That's always the conflict between Jimmy and Chuck. And to have it all spelled out like that, I mean, it's a reads like a list of all the reasons why he's always felt inferior to Chuck. And I don't think you needed to hear it another time. That's that's at least why I felt like he walked away from it like I don't need to keep hearing this stuff I'm sick of it I was tired of hearing it before
0: mm-hmm. alright well this leads Jimmy and Kim to break out a bottle of Albuquerque's favorite tequila uh, the Zarifo
1: yeah this is a tequila we've seen him uh, scamming off of uh, Zafiro, Zafiro. Zafiro off of people before uh I th- I don't I don't remember if this was uh if this was a bottle that uh and not that it matters but uh somebody's going to email in and tell yeah, us that, they and were at it the doesn't bar, matter
0: I think and then they were working on scams and then they ended up uh leaving with it right
1: yeah, I think it's off the Ken Wins guy from Breaking Bad, the guy who plays Teddy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I'm pretty sure I know for a fact that. But I think that bottle Kim kept at the cap of a, a su- as a souvenir. Mm-hmm. There was another bottle of expensive alcohol that Jimmy wanted to drink with Kim at the end of last season to celebrate Sandpiper settling. Yes, yes, yes. And that's right before her accident. She's running out the door. She's got the Gatwood oil files. She can't, she doesn't take the time to stop and drink with him. Uh, And I'm wondering if that's what this bottle is, because this it was wrapped up in like uh, the stuff that came from the office. And I don't think it's the same bottle. I think the bottle they scammed off of the Ken Wins guy, they drank that at the table and Kim brought the cap home as a souvenir. I think this is a different bottle that Jimmy had meant to celebrate the uh, Sandpiper settlement with. Yeah, I'm
0: looking at the uh, Breaking Bad... Wikia and uh, in episode nine of last season uh, that is that the, you, you have it uh, exactly right that uh, that they have the bottle to celebrate the uh, Sandpiper case is going to be settled
1: yeah so i mean there's a there's some significance to that right like this was a bottle that was supposed to be consumed in happiness uh and now it's been consumed in sadness uh and it, it is symbolic of there was they were supposed to toast their great partnership she was going to win for this client he was going to win his big thing uh and and now now where are we yeah now ken wins uh and no one else certainly not chuck
0: yeah so day or night turns into day uh Kim is passed out on the couch. Uh, Jimmy, uh, I mean, what a you know heavyweight that uh, he drank all that tequila and then just uh, stayed up all night.
1: Yeah, this uh, it's just stayed up all night. Hollow leg, wooden leg, just drinking and drinking Kim under the table. Kim's probably also on the pain meds. Rob, I was thinking about yeah. that while they were sitting there. I was thinking, I wonder if she's taking her pills. And if so, she probably shouldn't be hitting this too hard. The but party. Uh, yeah, Jimmy pushed it away.
0: Okay. Uh, so with, then we spend a lot of time uh with uh with Mike and Nacho and uh everything going on there. We end up coming back to the Jimmy storyline for the funeral service for Chuck.
1: Yeah, and uh, the music that was playing in the funeral service is uh, Sicilian, which is the same piece that Chuck was playing on the piano in the early part of season two. Uh, Chuck was playing it at the time to honor his love for Rebecca, uh, who is seen weeping her eyes out behind Jimmy uh, in the pew here uh, in the church. So a lot of symbolism with that song. At the very least, it's uh, certainly an Easter egg in the the course of Breaking Bad or the Better Call Saul timeline. But uh, speaking Speaking of Easter eggs, Rob, we got some uh, we got some greatest hits from some of the the, uh, the other lawyers here. What well, was it? What were you happy to see these guys again?
0: Uh, yeah, we had the uh, Ed Bagley Jr. Character.
1: Yeah. From Davis and Maine. Cliff from Davis and Maine. And we saw uh, and we saw Schweikert from Schweikert and Coakley. Uh, mm-hmm. this, that was he's probably still wondering why Kim didn't take the job offer. Uh, this is not good. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah we and we had we had unfortunately we had uh, we had Rebecca there crying her eyes out we last saw Rebecca on the show um, basically f- unable to get to Chuck uh, and having blamed Jimmy for what was going on and telling Jimmy like he was right about you all along uh, because she came to the office and saw I think that they were celebrating again their, their great victory over Chuck uh, and she blamed Jimmy for that so it uh, it's not uh, Rebecca's i mean this is done we might see the actress again i know that's somebody that they like uh, to bring back so we might see her later in the uh, in the course of this series or maybe even season really digging the knife into jimmy over all this Uh, remains to be seen she could be involved in some kind of probate storyline as well i have no idea what the status of uh, their relationship their will anything like that would be
0: okay uh then we go back After the uh, funeral service, we see uh, Jimmy and Kim drive up. Hamlin is waiting there for them. And they go in and they have the conversation that we talked about earlier about I owe you an explanation. I have to tell you about what really happened. Again, uh, Howard, very guilty about all of this
1: yeah and and really saying it's the insurance thing and feeling like he pushed him out uh i mean it's not too many guys uh who are like i i wanted to give him nine million dollars and that's why he committed suicide it's like what mm. uh but yeah so howard is blaming himself again i love the work that was done in this scene uh and I, it's it's uh, definitely the breaking bad shades with uh with with jimmy whistling here uh and feeding that fish yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just darkness. It's just darkness.
0: Let's talk about the fish because the the fish and the fish tank were featured very prominently. You know, the show does uh, so much with with color. And this, you know, it, the brightly colored fish tank was, you know, featured in the foreground a number of times. Jimmy's feeding the fish at the beginning of the episode when he starts off his routine in the morning before he finds out about what happened to Chuck. He's feeding uh, the fish at the end of the episode. So, well, what significance does that goldfish have, Antonio?
1: Well, it's the goldfish that Jimmy used as cover when in, in Chuck's trial in Chicanery, uh, season three, episode five to meet with the vet who's like this back door to the Albuquerque underworld at the vet. He got, uh, connected with Hule. And if you'll recall, he used Hule to set Chuck up. And that was ultimately what set Chuck, uh, to falling apart in the midst of that trial. So, uh, it was supposed to be the trial of Jimmy and ended up the trial of Chuck the way it was presented. And it was in part because of the work Huel did, uh, which was because Jimmy met with this vet and used the goldfish for cover. Uh, It's the same fish we see in the next episode, season three, episode six, on Francesca's desk at their office. Mm -hmm. So it seems like they've just moved all of this stuff from their office into Kim's apartment. Uh, We see all the file boxes there. That's where the alcohol bottle's coming from. And the fish has come in from that that as well. Uh, And it's the same fish that Jimmy used as cover to hire the guy that he used to take Chuck down. So uh, there's definitely some symbolizing there.
0: Yeah. On um, the uh, color theory, which, uh, you know, is always part of the Vince Gilligan universe. You know, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but with the gene sequences being, you know, um, black and white and, you know, uh, washed out, I, I do feel like that the stuff that's with the uh, the Jimmy McGill and especially like uh, when he wears all of these loud, bright colors that I, I do feel like that there is a significance to that too
1: yeah um i think you're I think you're onto to something there uh it certainly is the
0: life has been sucked out of gene's world,
1: yeah, and I think in the first the first time we see gene in, he, he watches the uh, Saul Goodman ads, uh, you know, on like a purloined or like secret VHS tape in his house alone while he's drinking. And I think we see a little bit of color in his eyes, uh, as we see the reflection of those ads from the TV on his glasses. And it's like, okay, so on the inside or behind those glasses, that's what this is. He's got this lively, vibrant personality, but in the gene world, yeah, it's sucked out, uh, by a vacuum cleaner salesman, Rob, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, by the kind of guy that gets you a second eye identity right
0: okay anything else in the jimmy and kim story from tonight before we move on to talk about mike
1: I'm curious as to where you feel what what do you feel will happen between Jimmy and Kim here Uh, do you think that like the the camel's back was broken with the whistling incident or is she going to chalk that up to he's in mourning he probably handled that really indelicately with Howard but you know I shouldn't question him because his brother just killed himself and he probably blames himself what about Kim feeling responsible like she did throughout the end of last season for what was going on with Howard she felt like they did it wrong she constantly brought the that up with jimmy um, where where do you think we're gonna see uh, kim and jimmy end up in the next couple of episodes in the fallout of the death of chuck mcgill
0: i think it's a really hard question to answer because she doesn't have that missing piece of information about how jimmy was responsible for the issues with the insurance so i think she certainly feels like okay he's acting strange but i mean i think she's seen jimmy mcgill act uh, very strange on a number of occasions so I don't know if there's anything that's too out there to uh, arouse her suspicion. I I think that she may react to what his next move is and then start to look at the different pieces that she has to say, Okay, well, then when Hamlin told you about that, he felt bad, you, you start, you know, that seemed like that was a relief to you. And now you're talking about, you know, going after Chuck's estate. You know, I think that whatever he he ends up doing next, I think will uh, really inform her next move
1: more. Yeah, I I think that's uh, I mean, that's what I'm thinking is on the table for her as well. And I'm just I'm also curious about whatever she's going to do next in terms of we left her at the end of last season in full self-care mode because of the accident, because she'd been pushing herself too hard. And in part, she was pushing herself too hard because she felt the need to make the move that she made with his full encouragement and support work. Uh, He's the one who really pushed her from the beginning of the series, almost certainly from the middle of of season one to leave HHM to go out with him and to form a law firm and to do all these things and she drew a little bit of a line between Wexler uh, McGill and Wexler and McGill like a true lawyer she focused on the semantics but I think she's carrying around a lot of that and like I said the guilt of her role in what happened with Howard it'll be interesting to see how that plays out like absent anything that Jimmy does or doesn't do I think Kim's going to be carrying around an awful lot of personal guilt over what happened and yeah the insurance might have been what did it but he would never have been in position to have that problem with the insurance if she and Jimmy hadn't worked together to take him down in that trial so I, I'm very curious as to if this will cause a major rift between the two of them I'm sure a lot of people are speculating about that already and it's certainly something I've got my eye on okay
0: well let's catch up with Mike who we, we had talked about at the end of season three did not have a lot to do in season three but uh he does have at least an assignment here in this episode <laughs> as we see him uh leaving the job at the toll booth uh, this is the, the last trip to the toll booth for
1: mike Let's hope so, man, uh, that uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want him to go back to that. He has so little to do, Rob, that he's literally uh, like going to do a job that he could sit at home and not do and still collect his own money for not doing. Uh, that's how little to do Mike has. He's tired of the baseball. He can only stand on so many hoses. He's got to go out and do something. Uh, so, yeah, he leaves the he leaves the job. He leaves the workaday job and uh, leaves the ham and egger job and he decides he's going to run a caper. Uh, uh, at uh Madrigal and goes in and does his job as a security consultant, apparently, which starts somehow by draining a guy's car battery i i don't know what I guess he left a light on or something what happened there <laughs>
0: yeah, i'm not exa- exactly <laughs> sure, so that what I wanted to know is did Mike screw with the kid's bike chain first so that <laughs> the kid would stop the dad and say you know daddy, daddy, and then Because how was Mike able to get in the guy's briefcase uh, to, you know, to get his key card out? So uh, I think that Mike did something to the kid's bike so he would stop the dad so that Mike would be able to get in there and either, you know, cut the alternator or whatever, whatever Mike does to make the car battery drain and then also get the key card out of the briefcase
1: yeah this uh, i've learned not to question batman generally so Mm -hmm. um this is something where i i really don't know like what is the what is the gain by having the battery be dead Uh, i don't i don't understand that Uh, he
0: couldn't get to the he couldn't get to work and then say like hey i forgot my key card can you
1: let me in so mike was already there Mike gave mike like an hour to get to the to get to the place before the guy and use the id to get in and that was that yeah yeah, because I guess Mike wouldn't have known that they wouldn't have deactivated the card or that they were pretty lax in terms of security. So he was giving himself as much of as uh, much of a head start as he could. And I guess the kid's bike is part of that. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably screwed with the bike chain. Although I think the kid said it always happens or it's happened again or something. So does that mean Mike uh, yes. surveilled this?
0: Long he goes oh there every my day God. and messes with the kid's bike chain. Sees,
1: <laughs> yeah, sees what the kid's routine is. Like he surveilled a six-year-old. This makes sense.
0: Antonio, going back to Mike gets his paycheck from um, Madrigal, and yeah. uh, wh- what are we supposed to take away from that is That he looks at it and his paycheck is about uh, ten thousand dollars, and he's like, "Boy, this is a lot of money. I better start doing something for these guys." Or is it that wh- like what? What is the significance of him receiving a paycheck? Or is like, okay, I guess I'm on the clock now.
1: Yeah, I haven't done the math on the number because what I'm wondering about is if the number that was in the paycheck was more than he was expecting. The arrangement is that Mike had some money that he wanted Gus Fring ultimately to help him clean. Uh, and Gus's arrangement was, all right, you give me the money, then you go take a no-show job with this corporation, Madrigal Electromotive and, or Madrigal, whatever the name he gave tonight was. I think it has many, you know, iterations, but you go take this job and the, the, the job they were going to hire him for wasn't even security. Mike said like maybe, maybe make it security. Like uh, I Mm -hmm. was a cop, you know, and then Lydia was like, yeah, it'll look better on your resume. But, uh, but yeah, so he was going to go get this no show job and get paid. But I don't remember. I think she said, you'll be, you'll be done in 20 weeks. So I don't remember Mike having 200 K that he needed to have washed. but maybe that's how much money he had. But so if it was more money than Mike was expecting, maybe he feels like, I don't want to let this guy get a leg up on me by giving me more money than I thought, because that's not our arrangement. I want to earn every dollar that I'm paid. That isn't my money. So, if the money was more than he was expecting i can see why he wanted to go do that if it was what he was expecting he might still say you know i don't feel right about this no-show job and well, decide he's just bored. gonna go yeah and he's, he's bored. playing
0: with a, he's you know stepping on soaker hoses he's watching
1: triple a baseball on tv <laughs> yeah he's in the dynasty fantasy league rob come on uh yeah i don't know uh he had a young nolan arenado on his team uh i don't know ultimately why uh yeah i think he's just bored i, I, think, he's just bored. I, I think he's just bored i really think he's just bored like he doesn't know what I'm to do with bored. himself okay <laughs> yeah Got get no off my back i don't understand uh so what i mean do you think that 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 the whole thing do you think that the whole thing was so that he could get another meeting with lydia like was that what it was about why well that's the big question because the last meeting ended with him saying like you have a good business you you seem pretty accomplished why would you stick your neck out for a drug dealer and Lydia basically says, like, if you if that's all you think Gus Fring is, you don't know who Gus Fring is. Mm-hmm. So maybe Mike is a little curious about finding more out about Gus Fring. Yeah,
0: I, I think that I think he wants to sort of surveil the operation and know, uh, you know, just who am I working with here? And the best way to do that is to sort of, you know, get a whole lay of the land of the whole company
1: yeah and he's got the perfect cover to do that because he's been hired as a security consultant he's got the paycheck to prove it and if you call Lydia she will vouch for him so Mm -hmm. you know I think that that's I mean that seems to be that's what I thought he was doing when he was initially doing it but then when he lists, when he like when he read it like when he told the guy everything that he had found like when I saw him literally digging through the garbage Rob I thought he's trying to get all the information he possibly can about this company like he's just trying to He's really just trying to figure out, like, what are what are its operations? What's its reach? Like, what kind of things are they doing? But it just seemed like, no, he was actually trying to identify as many security problems as possible so that he could show that he was a good security consultant. I don't know. Maybe he's really worried still about the appearance of impropriety. Maybe he really wants to seem like it's above board.
0: I don't know. Uh, Let's get to Mike and his uh, adventures at the Madrigal uh, headquarters. And, you know, he's walking around. He has the clipboard. Nobody seems to notice that he shouldn't be there. We get a long conversation in the break room, Antonio, about Muhammad Ali uh, versus Bruce Lee. Uh, Is this a matchup that you had ever considered?
1: no uh, i i know probably other people have mooted it i I think bruce lee has even spoken about this but no not me i mean i i gotta go with muhammad ali i'm a proud Kentuckian. that's uh that's our favorite son so what about you rob like uh if, is this something you've thought about
0: i mean if you know bruce lee is a black belt again i, I don't know a, a lot about either but i kind of feel like that a black belt can does you know it doesn't matter you know how big you are i feel like that A uh, person who is a uh, master of martial arts, I would take them over a boxer.
1: Yeah, Bruce Lee was beating up uh, guys bigger than Muhammad Ali in a lot of movies. That's for sure. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think you're gonna have to look and see what Bruce Lee's own comments on the subject were. Which uh, you can look them up yourself offline. Here, I don't want to <laughs> read them on the podcast, uh, but they're pretty funny to say the least. Uh, he had a way with words, that Bruce Lee. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's uh, I would. I, you would be wrong to bet against Bruce Lee, but I certainly think you'd be wrong to get a uh, bet against Muhammad Ali and uh, just about anything. And then maybe they wouldn't want to fight. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Um. What was Mike's take on that? He asked, does
1: Bruce Lee have a gun? <laughs>
0: yep. That's what he did. That's <laughs> what he asked. <laughs> and then, but then he felt like then it would be Muhammad Ali in three minutes. He felt like
1: if Bruce Lee didn't have a gun. Yeah. Gun. <laughs> yeah, unless Bruce Lee had a gun Muhammad Ali would take him out instantly I think it's so funny that Mike is trying to keep kind of a low profile or you know he's just kind of keeping his nose down but he just can't help but chime in on the Bruce Lee Ali card. he could have walked out of that room not saying a word Rob he had to chime yeah. in well he even had to sign Tina's birthday card right yeah only after he said that what did he write in that card like reach for the stars <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs>
0: but he signed it with the the guy's name
1: he did i wonder i wonder uh, yeah i wonder if he had like surveilled his handwriting had he gone that deep into this (laughs) did he know how to sign his name had he worked on forgery just in case he had to sign in or something okay
0: let's keep a running tab on mike montages uh for the season Uh, i like it we get one here tonight of you know him driving around on the cart you know he's uh doing uh he's driving ride the forklift uh, or he watches the forklift uh, anything stand out to you from uh Mike in the warehouse
1: not really. Uh, like I said, throughout, I was really just wondering, like, what's he doing? I thought him driving that little car was really funny. And I think that his his Jonathan Banks is like realization. Oh, yeah, I could drive that. Like just seeing it. That made me laugh a lot. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty fun. Um, I thought he was looking for evidence of criminal wrongdoing, like I said. Uh, but no, I think he was just trying to do the job. So I don't know. The, the when he, when he confronts the guy about wearing the belt, it's pretty funny.
0: Right. Now, I uh, assume that, oh, OK, this is classic Mike. He's going to, you know, create a diversions, go send those guys uh, to go and uh, go put those belts on. And then he has something that he has to get access to. But it seemed like he was really just like calling them out about security. Yeah. And, and, uh, and not for anything <laughs> that I thought Mike is in charge of. He's some sort of security uh, analyst, not like a uh, safety guard.
1: Yeah. Not like an on the job injury preventer. Right. <laughs> yeah right that's this whole time I thought because we've seen I think scenes with Lydia and warehouses in the past where they're looking for methylamine or they're looking for like Mm -hmm. actual products that are used in the production of meth and so I thought that's what Mike was looking for. Guys, but uh, no. Guys,
0: lift from the knees, not with the back, okay?
1: <laughs> if you lift from the knees, you'll never see the bees. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't understand. I thought he was looking for those, for those tins, for those, uh, those containers of methylamine, and he was going to be on to some greater operation, but doesn't seem like it. I think he was actually trying to prevent a back operation.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh who knew that uh Mike was just like this uh corporate bookworm?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, well, you got to be Batman Snickler. and Bruce Wayne at the same time. You know what I mean? You can't just be Batman. You got to have a second identity here. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh and again he says, uh, you know, try Lydia if uh, you want to if you want to call me out. Uh that
1: was very nice again, Mike. Uh, he you know, he gave the key card back to the guy that it belonged to. Yeah, uh, I, I, in hindsight, I just feel like it was his plan all along to try to get to Lydia, and he was had that at the ready. He was like, you know, why don't you call and find out? And he gave the name right away. Like, I think this was his end game all along, which really invites the question, Rob. Why didn't he just call Lydia? <laughs> like, why didn't he just go see Lydia or schedule an appointment? Why the dog and pony show? That I don't know. So more to be, more to come. Hopefully, more montages, Rob. That's what I'm really hoping yeah. for. <laughs>
0: Can I throw um, maybe one other uh, crazy or not so crazy uh, theory out there? You know, uh, and, and this ties into uh, what goes on in uh, the uh, nacho storyline uh, where they're talking with uh, when when Gus is talking to uh, wh- what would you call that guy? The uh, the head of the cartel.
1: Uh, he's like yeah well the head of the cartel is the man by the pool as they call him Uh, but Juan Bolsa is like yeah he's like the underboss yeah
0: yeah and so is it possible that Mike is trying to work on all of this loss prevention because he doesn't want there to be the authorities uh, looking too deep into what's going on at Madrigal where The idea of, you know, uh, you know, uh, there's war, which brings chaos, which brings the DEA. Is it possible, like if there is mass theft that's going on, that ultimately the authorities are going to get involved, which is going to somehow lead back to, you know, upsetting Mike's whole operation?
1: I think it's possible. Yeah. I mean, think about it this way, where what we saw happen was we, we Mike met his daughter in law in the backyard there uh, with his nearly teenage granddaughter now. <laughs> uh, and he, he, even his daughter in law, who is a low level scam artist who got Mike to buy her that house. Uh, even she was like, Oh, you set your own hours. That's interesting. Like even she was sniffing well, around. Must be nice. Yeah, so if she can get onto this and he's got a check here for $10,000 and has nothing to show for it, like maybe that's when he's starting to feel like, I better cover my tracks a little here. Like maybe that's part of it. So yeah, I mean, not knowing anything about Salamanca and the incident and the potential of war in the DEA, I think Mike's realizing like, yeah, it does seem a little fishy that I can just set my own hours and I make all this money. So maybe I should go actually do this job a little bit so that if I'm ever questioned about it or so that if it ever the heat ever comes down, I have something I can fall back on and say, I did this. I identified all these problems and blah, 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 blah. So I think that's a big part of it. But I do wonder if there's something more you know, more in play or not. But it certainly seems like having a, a you know, the cover at least is a big part of it. But I think he wants to talk to Lydia too. I think that's part of it.
0: Okay. Uh, we'll see where that goes in the future. Let's check back in with uh, Nacho. Uh, we picked everything up at the end of the last episode. Uh, uh, Once upon a time, we speculated, oh, maybe it'll be a time jump here. Uh, Yeah. Everything is picking up exactly where it left off.
1: Five minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> like, Five minutes later. Yeah, they're, they're, taking the, they're taking Hector's body away. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it's it just happened. Right. And we even see some of the same scenes again. Like we see Gus looking at Nacho with the pills again and mugging, uh, you know, just, just clocking Nacho, checking him out and seeing what's what. And doing it in such a way that Nacho can't even get rid of those pills when he wants to. And, yeah, we, we get into the story with Gus and Nacho. Nacho lots of whispering and hushed tones uh, I, I didn't I, did you ever at any point during this episode fear that Nacho wasn't going to make it out of the episode
0: no uh, I did not um, what was Nacho worried about That they were going to like pat him down and then check to see if he had any pills like who would suspect that he was uh, switching out Hector's medication <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know, but uh I think that's what he was worried about. Uh I do think that he was worried that he would they would pat him down for a weapon or something at some point, see that he had these pills in his pocket, see that they look like uh nitro pills or or that they were labeled a certain way and and start to freak out. So, I think that that's the evidence of the crime. Like that's the cover up right there in his pocket. So, mm. I definitely understand why he was desirous of getting rid of those things. It it is also ultimately what gets him in uh, probably water because he's observed getting rid of them and let's not forget it's mike who pointed out to nacho that he should switch those pills back uh, when they met at the end of last season when uh when nacho was trying to meet with price uh, if you will daniel worm wormland or whatever uh playa to get those pills that uh mike was involved and mike told nacho "Look, if you switch those pills you better switch them back and so it is it is mike in his head here basically saying you got to get rid of that evidence don't don't let anybody know they're gonna come sniffing around this this incident you don't want to be the one stuck holding the bag so it seems like he got away with it i never was worried about him either but but now he is he's in a couple good positions here right rob because we have the scene with juan bolsa basically saying you guys are still going to deliver the drugs it's salamanca territory uh, and if you do well you might be you guys might do well for yourselves here so the opportunity is there and then as soon as they leave the room Room, it's like uh, yeah they're gonna get killed people are gonna come at them the DEA is gonna come at them like this is bad so what's the what if you put yourself in the mind of Gus Fring Rob like what is his move here
0: well what remind me of the the politics here because he is going to need to
1: uh he's working with Nacho yeah. So the politics basically are that Juan Bolsa, the guy who works with the cartel, mm-hmm. uh, he has these two he has these two guys in Salamanca and Fring right. who do distribution for him. Right. They do distribution for the cartel. And what we saw throughout the course of last season, mostly, is that Fring used Mike to make a move against Salamanca. Uh, Mike ripped off Salamanca and took money out of one of their routes. With and the he felt pretty coming
0: uh, uh, across the border.
1: You got it. And what, what, with the shoes, uh, that, what, what, what happened with those shoes is that, Mike set up the Salamanca truck to be caught at the border and then the drugs would have to come in with the LPH with the Los Pollos Hermanos trucks mm-hmm. so that's what Gus wanted Gus wanted to be the guy who managed the route and it seems like what, what is ultimately happening is at least in last season Gus was making a slow play against Hector Salamanca to take over the business instead of them being equals he was going to be the one who was controlling the route and at some point you feel like he was going to be the one who was controlling the business. And it seems like now what the cartel has said is Gus is not taking the business. The business will be handled by you guys. And if you do well, then that'll be that our arrangement will be the same. But then when they leave the room, Gus is saying, Hey, you know, the only thing I can say is someone's going to come at them. And if someone comes at them, that'll be chaotic and chaos will bring uh, the duh. They'll bring the DEA down on us. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what Gus's play here is. I, do you think that he's really just trying to get to the point where he's controlling all the business.
0: It's an interesting question because, uh, you know, he's making the case against war uh, against chaos, uh, which right. would bring in the DEA, but you would think that he does want to take out the Salamanca faction. So I'm not sure exactly uh, what, what he wants in terms of uh, nacho. The, the guy who
1: sees him, uh, that uh, he's Tuco's guy no the guy who sees him is Gus's guy uh, and he's, been, he's one of Gus's guys that we see in Breaking Bad and uh, it just doesn't I mean these are guys that don't have a huge role other than being Gus's guys uh, they have memorable moments and I don't want to spoil too much of Breaking Bad uh, we, get, we get hit on that sometimes but yeah this is one of Gus's guys we saw him last season uh, driving uh, at the Los Pollos Hermanos and so we know from the, the trick that he's using that he's using that same gas cap trick mm-hmm. that they use to track mike he's got the same receiver there in his car so gus is tracking nacho and this guy observed nacho doing something at that bridge and he had binoculars so he probably actually saw what nacho was doing so this is all gus is already on to nacho is what it comes down to and nacho of course was working with the salamanca crew and he the whole point of him setting this up was that that Hector Salamanca didn't like the arrangement of the drugs coming in through Gus Fring he didn't like that arrangement because he he felt like that put Gus in control so Hector was trying to run an end around using Nacho's dad and the upholstery business uh, that he had where does he get his supplies I want to use Papa we're going to use Daddy and then he didn't he wasn't sure about him so Nacho felt like he was going to kill his dad and that's what caused Nacho to do what he did so at the end of the day um, I think think Gus is after the business and if he's selling peace and he's saying you know war is not the option well he's the probably the peaceful option here. He's the guy who's already in the field. Look, I'm the one who's bringing the drugs in as it is. I got guys who can sell them. Just let me do it and that'll be the end of that. Let me handle Salamanca.
0: Okay. Let me bring in this question from one of our great friends, Johnny De Silvera, where we saw Gus mention the DEA and Johnny is asking with the mention of the DEI with the mention of the DEA, what are the odds that we see Hank this season? Is that a possibility? Antonio,
1: you think it's likely we see Hank or do we see uh Gomi? Do we see Gomez? Ah. Uh, Hank's partner. I think that that's some more likely cameo than Hank straight off the top. Uh, but I think we could see Hank in this series for sure. What is Dean Norris up to Rob besides uh, tweeting things? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want his big tweeter.
1: Uh, he's an interesting tweet out there that you could uh, you could probably track down if you uh, just search uh, Dean Norris tweet. Uh, <laughs> is it a recent tweet? It is a recent tweet. Yeah.
0: Is it a political tweet?
1: No, it has uh, no. Although he does share something with Ted Cruz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like like in Ted, he does share something with like in Ted Cruz. Let's just put it that way. All right
0: leave that as a cliffhanger
1: <laughs> it's so brazen this dean norris yeah. so brazen
0: i have to look after the show okay um it's did you happen to uh stumble into what what is this new show that's on amc
1: was it like lodge 49 uh, is that what it is Something. Lodge 48
0: <laughs> you happen to stick around to watch previews for better call saul
1: I did not. Did you? Do you want to regale me with what we might have
0: seen? Well, they said, you know, uh, stay tuned in the first commercial break. And I like fast forwarded enough through it. And then I didn't get to it. And I said, okay, well, uh, I'm not that desperate. I'm not that thirsty for the next time on.
1: More and more, I have taken Rob to uh, not watching these things because they spoil too much. Yeah. And I just, uh, I just slid into your DMS and sent you Dean Norris's uh, most magnificent masterpiece. So, uh, the brazenness of just leaving that up, I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I did not. So I'm sure there are people out there who did and good for you guys. You probably, uh, we've probably already been wrong about a lot of this or right about a lot of it, but I did not watch the, uh, this, this upcoming season, uh, on, on, on better call Saul. So I have no idea what to expect. You okay there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's still there. Why does he delete that? I don't, I don't understand. Know. Yeah. Don't oh, well. Um,
0: <laughs> I think that's the move. I think that, that's yeah, very yeah, just these it, right? days. Yeah. It's just like No, this like, is tweet, what I like, wanted like to work. And then yeah. just leave it out there. Let everybody speculate uh what you were thinking.
1: Yeah. Here's uh Twitter profile says actor, poet, nook, nook. I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's a man of mystery. He really is. So your guess is as good as mine. Whether, whether this uh, Twitter mystery means that he will end up on better calls all this season. Okay. Uh,
0: going forward, we will be able to uh, answer more of your questions. You can email us. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to record these uh, moving forward, but probably sometime on a Tuesday. Uh, you can email the show uh, bcs at postshowrecaps.com. That email will go to both Antonio and myself, and we will be able to uh, bring your questions into the show if they are interesting or relevant or uh, crack us up
1: yeah uh, i want to know why this is it's like 2005 speaking of emails like why is jimmy mcgill like looking in classified sections for jobs i think i feel like that was strongly the craigslist era of looking for jobs am i wrong about that am i crazy is it monster.com uh i don't know what the albuquerque
0: job market was like and i don't really know what he's looking for did you happen to notice any of the things that he circled
1: Yeah, the one was like a receptionist at like a daycare or something. There was like a (laughs) cell phone store representative. Like they they weren't good jobs, Rob. Let's just put it that way.
0: Uh, I mean, is it funny that uh, Jimmy is like looking at like entry level positions?
1: Yeah, well, he just wants to. He's just chipping away. He's planning on being a lawyer again is my guess. I don't know. I don't know why he we still don't know why he changes the name. There was a lot of speculation that, you know, the issue with the trial of Jimmy McGill would somehow result in him changing his name to Saul Goodman practicing law under that name for whatever reason. Now it seems like maybe he's more likely to change the name because he doesn't want to be associated with Howard in any way. Uh, But there could be a bigger story to come other than just that. There could be some actual narrative reason for him doing it rather than just the the story the thematic one of not wanting to be connected to Chuck.
0: Just going back to the time jump in terms of what we were talking about at the end of last season, uh, you actually uh, said that you uh, felt like very much that we would uh, maybe have a time jump, but not start with one because we wanted to see the fallout from uh, what happened with Chuck. Do you think there's any chance that we skip forward at some point during the season?
1: It hasn't been – I mean, I'm trying to think of Breaking Bad-wise if there were ever any super significant time jumps. I know Walt was in New Hampshire for a while, for maybe mm-hmm. like a month. Uh, I um, think it was
0: in the – uh they have like a – Big, mon- the, you know the crystal blue persuasion oh yeah the crystal blue, and, uh, yeah that's the biggest one down.
1: right yeah that's the biggest one and that was a month yet again another montage <laughs> maybe we'll get a mic montage uh time jump rob where he's just like xing off days on the calendar just punching the clock here as <laughs> a security consultant of the uh, yeah exactly, <laughs> another exactly. yeah recharge stars yeah I, so maybe we'll get a montage of mike like uh just axing off calendar days i don't know if we want to spend a, a year with jimmy not being an attorney like i i don't know i can see spending some time with jimmy but it wouldn't shock me if at some point in this season we had some sort of accelerated time jump that took us to a, a period a little later in the series here
0: okay let me give you another over under on the season okay scenes with jimmy and mike in them at the same time we had almost no interaction between the two of them in season three i think the only time that they had any interaction i think was uh, leading up to the uh the chuck case if i if i remember correctly does that sound right to you
1: yeah, there was some of that, uh and there were more. There were some of those scenes with Jimmy and Mike are the, some of the best ones of the series. There is the time where Mike is trying to get out of the issue with Salamanca, and he has to have Jimmy come in. Mm-hmm. There's a time when Mike has has Jimmy be the the shady guy who bumps into him, uh, or bumps into those police who are looking into Mike's criminal background and whether Mike might have murdered the guy who, or the cops who killed his son. Uh, and so he yeah, he brings Jimmy in for that uh and there's a lot of those interactions with them at the at the booth uh but the i think the last time i really remember them is that is that he had jimmy work as like his recon his eyes and ears when he was trying to figure out what was going on at los pollos hermanos so there was that for sure and in the car I, i think without jimmy being a lawyer it's hard to know what he will use what he would use Mike for uh, unless he's getting into some really nasty enterprise. And I don't know ultimately why Mike might use Jim. It seems like Mike has gone beyond Jimmy at this point. I don't hmm. think he's going to need Jimmy for much. I, I mean, I I could be wrong, okay. but Jimmy can't practice law. So he's not going to really need Jimmy's skills as a lawyer. And other than that, I guess he used him as eyes and ears in that one time. But Jimmy did not do a good job by the way. Um, so I don't know if Mike's going to want to go back to that. Well, so over under on scenes with them together, I'd say, what do you said It two and a half? Two and a half.
0: That's exactly what I said.
1: Yeah. Two and a half.
0: Yeah. Two and a half. I will, I will, uh, what are you taking? The over or the under?
1: I'll take the over. I'll take the under. All right. Good. So yeah. there you go. Uh, we have we have a we have a bet now. Uh, the winner has to send something to Dean Norris. <laughs> the loser. The loser. I'm sorry, the loser, not the winner.
0: <laughs> the winner gets something from Dean Norris. Oh no. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. trader um, Brow. right. it's a fun first episode, fun to be back, uh, but let's see where it goes from here because I feel like that, uh, you know, I I would not really say that we are shot out of a cannon here with the first episode, kind of a little bit of a slow uh, premiere.
1: It was a slow premiere, but I I thought it was a pretty, uh, a pretty pretty good premiere we like I this to, world
0: i was just saying that yeah. uh, coming out of the gate we don't have a uh, a ton of momentum for what's to come really could be any
1: i think the biggest reveal is that uh i think charles uh, i think chuck's middle name was lindberg charles lindberg that's mm-hmm. not great like yeah. that's not a good look i think he had to have been born after world war Two, right yeah. like that's not a good look at the that point a sense I, of humor yeah either that or they were nazis i mean i don't know <laughs> could have gone either way it's not great. It's not a great middle name is all I'm saying. Like, uh, but especially I don't think you ever want to name your baby Lindbergh like Lindbergh and yeah. baby does not have You're a good association. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So if you uh, are not yet subscribed, but uh, we've convinced you in this hour plus discussion <laughs> of better call Saul, then go ahead and uh, jump on that podcast feed. Go to dot recaps.com slash B C S iTunes that and of course uh we do appreciate your feedback and your star ratings you can follow antonio on twitter he's at ac mazzaro two z's and one r and antonio you are really back in full swing in the podcast game right now
1: this is what happens you fall off the wagon and you just roll around in the gutter for a while yeah uh, Josh and I are going to podcast about The Sinner Rob the USA limited I don't know if it's a limited series anymore or not it's in its second season second season is only mm-hmm. loosely connected to the first season the first season's up on Netflix if anybody wants to watch that you've only missed one episode of The Sinner I'm sure you can catch it probably on USA.com uh, some familiar faces in there Carrie Coon who Josh and I love from The Leftovers is the star of the the season of the center uh, and there are some uh, other crossovers as well. I really like season one of the center and uh, looking forward to the mysteries of season two. So that'll be fun. Uh, Josh and I will podcast about that. That airs on Wednesday nights. I don't know when exactly we'll have our podcasts up. Uh, More TBA later this week on that one, Rob.
0: Yeah, of course you could subscribe to our main post show recap feed as well to get everything that we're doing. Uh, Game of Thrones rewatch Josh and Emily are also Talking about sharp objects. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead is coming back. So this is a real host show recaps. Uh, end of summer bonanza.
1: It is. We're on fire like uh, Chuck's house. <laughs> oh, too oh boy. soon. Too soon. <laughs> Sorry. His name was Charles Lindbergh. I don't feel so bad about it. That's all I'm saying. All right. Answer anything else. You can always email us, bcs at postshowrecaps.com. Still works. That's how Johnny reached out to us tonight. So if you have any thoughts or comments uh, as you're watching the episode in the interim, whatever you want, uh, bcs at postshowrecaps.com. Rob, they can also use the feedback at postshowrecaps, right?
0: Yes, uh, com slash feedback. We'll also uh, put a, a tweet out there so you can uh, send us your questions as well, but not you,
1: Dean Norris. Uh, that would be pretty funny to see what kind of questions would come in rob (laughs) pretty funny i'm curious Uh, about
0: that antonio it's been lovely to be back podcasting with you once again
1: yeah, nice catching up with you, Rob. I'm glad to be back in uh, the world of Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul. I have a lot of hopes for this season, and uh, I think we're, we're, on a, we're on a good path here. Now, saying that, uh, Jimmy McGill is probably going to make amends next episode and be kind and nice and sweet and cry all episode next time. So okay. they will be back to being Jimmy McGill before you know it. All
0: right. Don't be a stranger on the social media. I'm at Rob's and We love to hear what you guys thought about the episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Oh,